Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome in, everybody, to Crypt of Horror. This is the Tales from the Crypt Patreon podcast brought to you by Haunters Podcast. I am your ghoulish host, Mr. Wonderful. Welcome into the program today. Uh, we uh, are moving on to season two. I should say, if you are brand new to the Patreon, thank you for joining our Patreon page. Uh, we really do appreciate it. You you are the reason we do this because we like doing this. And if you haven't listened to our Patreons yet, uh, there are plenty to go back on. There are a couple episodes of Crypt of Horror. We uh, have talked about the entire first season so far. The first season was only six episodes. And in Crypt of Horror, we like to dive into two episodes at a time of the classic HBO anthology series, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, our favorite Crypt Keeper, uh, Dead Time Storyteller. Uh, but also, there are other things on the Patreon as well. You can get uh, Slay Girl Slay with uh, Zach, who uh, I do the main Haunters podcast show with. Uh, he's on that, along with his lovely wife, uh, the talented Brooke. Uh, so you can listen to them talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Zach has seen all of Buffy. Brooke has never seen Buffy the TV series, so they dive into that show, talk about it a little bit. So you're getting uh, a veteran's perspective from the show and a brand new, a newbie, a newcomer to the program as well, plus other great things on the Patreon uh, as well that you can always check out. There's always something for you guys every weekend, so thank you so much for uh, taking part in that. And uh, now, with that being said, we have moved on to season two of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, and uh, we're going to dive into the new season. I know I mentioned in the previous episode, maybe we do like a retrospective each season, but I think maybe we'll save that for the end. We'll we'll do like a look back on all of them in one episode, and it'll be a big giant when we finish Every season of Tales from the Crypt, we'll look back and do kind of a retrospective on that. But uh, this week, we are going to dive into season two. The Crypt Keeper is back to tell us some more dead time stories, uh, very gleefully uh, embracing those uh, macabre duties of his. And this season is is a fun one. I, I was texting Zach, kind of teasing him. I know I put it out on our Twitter page, uh, a tease for episode two. I shared a picture of the director that pops up in the beginning of that. I won't tell you yet, but if you're a fan of ours and you follow us on social media, at HauntersPod on Twitter, you definitely saw that picture earlier in the week when I was doing my homework on these episodes again. But uh, this is a big season. And and like I was teasing Zach, like you get Demi Moore this season. You get Harry Anderson this season. Don Rickles, Bobcat, so many big stars. And I know I talked about it with the first season. But the first season, like you got big stars at the time. But you also got those guys like... They were big stars, but they weren't names. You know, this time around, you get Demi Moore. Like, Demi Moore. That is that is that is John McClane's ex-wife, man. You got Demi Moore in 1990 to come onto your show. Like, that is... She's already been naked on screen and, and everybody's sweetheart and winning and winning everybody's hearts and all that stuff. She's already crushed it. She is a movie star coming into the TV world. So season two is, is not just big-time directors. You're starting to see directors but now the actors coming in and maybe eventually actors starting to take the reins of some of these episodes and directing them and opening and expanding their resumes in Hollywood a little bit which is again what, what to me I love anthologies because it does give you that time to tell 
a nice, fun, condensed story and multiple of those, many of those, but it also gives the opportunity for, uh, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, like any of the VHS films or the ABCs of death, I really enjoyed that where you get multiple people that get to come in and put their spin on things and add their take. So season two is very fun because you're starting to now see more of the A-lister actors, not not bottom of the A-list, but more we're starting to reach the top of the A-list and starting to reach some really names that are going to expand out from just the, hey, you know these directors and these and these producers and we we kind of got a name you, you remember? Yeah, you remember them, right? Like now it's like, no, you know this one because you just saw them in the movie theaters like two weeks ago. Uh, and moving into this season now, episode one uh, was released on April 21st of 1990. It was entitled Dead Right. For the money, honey, uh, gold digging uh, woman marries a slob in hopes of gaining an inheritance. Uh, this one opens up, Keeper kind of setting up the whole thing. Uh, he's looking into a crystal ball, giving us a nice welcome back for more of the dead time stories. Uh, but also kind of talking about how he can see the future and stuff like that. And, you know, every one of these opens from Tales from the Crypt usually has some type of connection into the story. So him being dressed up and looking into the crystal ball and being that uh, fortune teller establishes that this is going to play a part in in the episode. And then he does the whole setup with his fun puns and stuff like that. But then we dive into the episode. And this episode actually is the one that stars Demi Moore. So as I mentioned, season two comes out, big time A-list stars that you have seen recently on the big screen, not couple years ago or any of that they have movies that you know them for now currently at the moment she stars in that debut episode so we open up we follow we kind of follow her she's this secretary working for this uh, office building and yada 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 and she follows the advice of a fortune teller uh, and goes on to marry a slob of a man who's played by Jeffrey Tambor and and, and might I say Jeffrey Tambor doing absolutely fantastic work in a disgusting, incredible fat suit put together and great makeup work in this episode as well. Uh, But they get together and all that. So really how this episode begins is when she goes to the fortune teller, the fortune teller tells her, hey, you're going to marry this slob of a man, but soon after you marry him, you will inherit, you, you will intake and inherit a large sum of money. Uh, you know, so she's all like, hey, all right, whatever. But she also tells her, like, you're going to get fired and then you're going to get a new job right away and yada, yada, yada. And she's like, how am I going to get fired? Whatever. So Demi goes back to her office and she's all like, ah, your fortune teller to her friend. Your fortune teller is a lying kook, da, 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 da. But she did say I'm going to inherit a lot of money so I won't have to work for this ass clown anymore. Can't remember the exact word, but she, 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 she calls, she makes fun of her boss and her boss, though, because she thinks her boss is out of town. Her boss is right behind her. And he's like, oh, no, this ass clown got back four hours early today. It's okay. I don't care. I'm not one of those bosses that, like, gets all mad when his employees have bad names for him. I get it. But I'm looking at your time clock, and you're 30 minutes late coming back from your lunch break, girl. So that bothers me. Now you're fired. So she does get fired, which is what the fortune teller tells her is going to happen. And then she's walking down the street and she passes this uh, lady of the nightclub, a nice little stripper club, and uh, some girls getting thrown out and fired by the manager. And she's walking by as it's happening. And 
Girl's like, you'll never find somebody better than me. And he's like, oh, yeah? Hey, lady, want a job? And that's when the light clicks over Demi's head. And she's like, holy crap. The fortune teller told me I was going to get fired from the job I had, get a new job by the end of this day, and then I'm going to meet some fat slob guy that I'm going to marry and inherit a lot of money from after he dies after our wedding. So uh, what's happening here? So she takes the job. That night she's working. Enter in fat slob of a man, Jeffrey Tambor. And, and again, just the makeup in this episode for him alone is something that I absolutely love about this episode of Tales from the Crypt because even if you, even if you should be able to find these episodes anywhere, I know they're out there for people. You don't have to own them uh, like some of us crazies, but uh, you can find these episodes. But if not, I do recommend giving a search for dead right Jeffrey Tambor because you'll see what I'm talking about with this fat suit. It is so well pieced together, so well put together. So he comes in, he starts kind of hitting on her, and she's like, what the? No, you're so out of my league. No, no, no. And then the light bulb clicks again where she's like, hold on a second. I was told by the fortune teller, fat slob guy, I'm going to marry. He fat slob guy. I guess that's who I have to marry. So shortly after all that, we kind of see him Still trying to get that date with her. Eventually she gives in and we have the date night and we see kind of how unmatched they are. And just, you know, you see this guy who's just such a loser type of guy, pathetic, not funny, but thinks he's funny, is just really trying, really trying. He is swinging for the fences, man. It is game seven of the World Series. He does not have a beeper in his uh, in his shirt or nobody banging on trash cans for him. He is just swinging for the fences, no idea what's coming. And she is just having none of it. She is so out of it. So just like, oh yeah, that's great. Can we just get married and I inherit your money and yada, yada, yada. And uh, through conversation, she finds out though that he does have a brother who owns his own company, makes a lot of money, this and that. Eventually, though, they get married because she's like, hey, I got to follow through on what the fortune teller said. And after they get married, though, and I feel bad that I kind of just quickly did the brother conversation because after they get married, eventually she finds out she's under the impression that the brother is just as losery as him and has no family and it's only the brother and him so that his brother is going to die and she inherits that money. But she quickly finds out after the marriage that is not the case. No, no, no. The brother actually has a family, so everything obviously would be left to his wife or his kids. That's when she's like, "What the hell? I thought I was I thought he was going to die. I thought I was going to inherit his money cuz then you were going to die after that. What's going on?" yada yada yada. And this comes after you see that little bit of marriage life where he's just fat and lazy and he's like, "Hey, can you can I can I get a sandwich and stuff like that?" So she goes off, she's going shopping, and she goes to open one of the doors, and she's like, what the hell, what the hell? And that's when the little shopper lights come on, and everybody's like, you're our 1,000th customer of the week. You just won $1 million. And this is where Tales from the Crypt becomes fun, and becomes Tales from the Crypt. Of Every story kind of always has a fun twist to it, because she's now just won a $1 million. Goes back home and is all like, I don't need you anymore. Yada, 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 packing her bags up. And then she proceeds to kind of do the villain thing and is like, you're just a fat loser. I don't love you. I never loved you. I just thought I would get money from you and blah, 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 blah. But now I have money and I don't need you. 
And that's when Jeffrey Tambor goes like, okay, that's fine. You can leave. Walks into the kitchen, though, has a knife and is like, you can leave, you can leave. But if no, but if I can't have you, nobody can have you. And then proceeds to start killing her by stabbing her over and over and over again. So Jeffrey Tambor and Fatsu killing hot young 1990 Demi Moore uh, right there. And it's just like, I, no, 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 I'm, nobody else can have you. You can't live. No, I say you can leave, but really, I'm just going to kill you. Uh, and then obviously he gets arrested and he gets killed, which does predict the fortune that the fortune teller had said, which is you will marry a slob of a man after being told uh, and, and he will die shortly after inheriting a large sum of money. That's exactly what happened, except the difference is she didn't realize that she was going to win the money and then by herself dying is how he would then die and inherit money as well. So it, it was one of those fun tales from the crypt twists that the moment she gets the money, you're like, oh, crap, what's going to happen here? Because you know that there's some fun play coming up and that's what the twist ended up being. So it ends up being a fun little, uh, you know, gold digger gets what she in a way gets what she deserves. I don't want to say gold digger gets what she deserves because it sounds like I'm approving of that when I'm not. I'm just saying it's one of those like within the context of the story, you're like, well, the gold digger got her 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 end, which is she chased the money. It ended up killing her. In the process, though, she took down this nice fat slob of a man, if you look at it that way, because he murdered her in order for the inheritance and all the money. It's it's a fun episode. It's a really good open to the season. Uh, again, getting Demi Moore and Jeffrey Tambor in a in a fat suit, uh, having these two acting together and going head to head the entire episode, really fun. Uh, just a just a good piece together episode. I really enjoy it. Uh, some of the trivia though for this episode, uh, I know I mentioned where these source material is, and this is a fun one because the source for this story, uh, it's listed as shock. Suspense Stories, number six, but it also features elements from The Vault of Horror, number 25. Another unrelated story also titled Dead Right appeared in Tales from the Crypt, number 37. That story, though, was later uh, adapted as Abra Cadaver in the following season. So we'll talk about that one when we eventually get to season three. But that's that's way, way, way down the road uh, when we get to season three. So overall, though, I think uh, opening episode to season two is such a strong come out of that gate. Just a really good Tales from the Crypt episode. Uh, a lot of twists and turns and kind of where is it going to go? How is it going to end? How is it going to finish type deal? Uh, and, and really kind of sticks that that episode, which then brings us on to episode two, which also premiered on April 21st, 1990. They did it again with season two, where they premiered uh, three episodes in the same day. So episode three, which we will talk about uh, about a month from now in our next episode of Crypt of Horror, uh, that one also debuted on April 21st. And then we'll talk uh, episode four, of course, which did not. But episode two did debut on April 21st, 1990. This one is entitled The Switch. Uh, and really, this one is to woo a lovely femme. Uh, a wealthy uh, man trades bods with a hunk. Then there's a switch to the switch. So uh, this one is a really interesting episode. And this is the one that I teased on our socials, uh, Facebook.com, Haunters Podcast, or Twitter, at Haunters Pod, where I shared the image of a man who makes a cameo in the opening of this episode. And 
Uh, that man is a uh, one. Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that's because this episode, uh, I'll, I'll just give you this, trip, this, this, this little piece of uh, information. This episode was directed by Arnold. It was directed by Arnold, and I got to tell you, uh, I think they picked a good one to give Arnold to direct because I don't think Arnold did a bad job. I'm not going to lie. I, when I realized it was an Arnold-directed episode, I, I, I did the search. I was like, what the hell did he direct at any point? And all I found, and maybe somebody out there, maybe one of you listening knows, could has better research than me on this, but all I was able to find was he directed two things, and this was the first thing he ever directed, and then the other thing he directed I had never even heard of. But I, I, I kind of was shocked at how well done it was, but I think it's because of what this story is. So the plot of this involves a rich elderly bachelor, that's William Hickey, you all know him from Christmas Vacation. Uh, the, the blessing. You know you know him from Christmas Vacation. You all know who he is. Uh, and he wants to impress a young woman played by Kelly Preston. Here we are, 1990. We have William Hickey and Kelly Preston in an episode together. Boom. There's ah, right there. That's episode two. We've already got four really big names at this point in time. Uh, that are well known at the time. Yeah, William Hickey is a legend, but is still in 1990, still acting. Kelly Preston, very much a known name at this point in time. Uh, but in order to impress this young woman, he decides he's going to switch his body with a younger man, played by Rick Rossovich, uh, who was in The Terminator. Uh, so if you're starting to see a connection here, Arnold directed Kelly Preston, uh, Rick. Rosovich, yeah. Notice something here? We'll get to that soon. Uh, unfortunately, though, becoming young again turns out to be very expensive for this rich elderly bachelor. Uh, so the millionaire Carlton Webster, uh, just being infatuated by by Linda, who is Kelly Preston, uh, you know, he he. this episode kind of begins where he's like, I'm in love to his uh, butler and all that. And then he goes... And he's hanging out with Linda. And and it's it's established, it's known without ever saying it uh directly and having to bash us over the head that they've they've obviously been spending time together for a while. Not sure why she's spending time with him, because he kind of tells her that he never indicates to her that he's rich. He never indicates that to her. So you just assume that Kelly Preston is this very nice kind of woman and he takes that for the wrong reasons, but either way, he ends up proposing to her, and that's where she's like, you, you're just too old for me, and and Carlton, though, becomes obsessed to try and look younger for her, so he visits an infamous doctor that asks $1 million, and he'll be able to switch his face with the younger Hans that would receive $900,000 for making the switch, so basically, face-off. Uh, except old man gets young man's face, young man gets old man's face. Okay, whatever. Carlton then goes, does the procedure, visits Linda again, tells him, uh, but that's when Linda's like, oh, your face, wow, but your arms, your torso, everything else is still really old. Uh, doctor now goes back to that doctor and he's like, hey, it'll be $2 million for a new surgery. Uh, but we're going to use the same guy, Hans. He's going to come back, so you'll get his stuff right there in the middle. Um, and we'll do this again. And But, you know, he's going to get to keep part of the money as well because he's he's 
he's giving you his body. Uh, when Linda, then he goes back, sees Linda again. Linda's like, "Oh yeah, this is this is better. Okay, let's do let's do this thing now." And they go out on a date and they're having fun. And then they go to the beach and they're all like, and she's like, "Let's go into the water." And he's like, "Sure, let's go swimming." Uh, and I do want to point out too that uh, this whole time that he's doing the transition that we're seeing this change up, it is still William Hickey doing the voice. So it, it's interesting because you're seeing. Rick uh, Rosovich's body, but William Hickey is speaking every time he moves. So it's a good sync up on the episode. It's very good sync up on that. Uh, I I give them credit. It's weird. It is so weird because it it just the way he delivers. It's good. It's a good. It's good acting. It's good delivery. Both of them are doing a really good job because I think uh, I think Rick Rosovich does a very very good job here. Uh, and shows his acting chops to be able to make you convinced that he truly is William Hickey underneath. Because the way that William Hickey delivers some of those lines, uh, and the way that he does it, he had to do some pretty damn good acting in this episode. So, uh, either way, they're at the beach. They decide they're going to go swimming. That's when Linda sees Carlton's legs and realizes he's still got them scrawny old man legs. And she's like, oh my goodness, your legs. That's when he's like, oh my God, I... I got to do the rest of it. Goes back to the doctor, asks for his last $3 million at this point. So the doctor's like, listen, you want the legs now. This is going to be three more million dollars to complete this surgery completely. Should have just done it all at once, guy. But let's do it again. Three million. Same deal. We're going to take Hans's body. We're going to take the legs off of him. We're going to do the whole swipperoo thing. He gets to keep part of the money. Boom. We're done. Good. We're done. So Carlton, now fully young, has all of Han's body, still though that old man underneath, but has the has the knowledge and the youthful looks now to him. Boom. Goes to visit Linda, but he finds that Linda, well, she's moved into a fancy old neighborhood, and that's when he soon learns all she was looking for was money. Yes, we have back-to-back episodes involving greedy uh, women's, so to say, and gold digging, so... Uh, he now realizes she was all about the money, not the looks. And that's when Hans comes walking out along with Carlton's former butler, looking like the older version of Carlton. Because Carlton, obviously, after spending all of his money for the surgery, couldn't pay for his butler anymore. But Hans, the entire time, kept collecting the majority, like 90% of the profit. And now he's got all the money, so he is hired his former butler to be his butler and now is hooking up with the woman he wanted to be hooked up with like be be shacking it up with that he was in love with but thought she was all about the youth but realized he could have stayed as old as he looked and the same way all he had to do was say hey i'm rich and he would have gotten the woman he wanted it's a really fun episode it's a good switch up and again arnold does a really good job like there's and I think it works because this isn't an episode that's built on suspense. Like in the first episode, as you're hitting the climax for Demi and Tambor going head to head, you got to there. There's a certain level of suspense that comes with that. With this episode, it's just a, a build up to a reveal of, hey, you should have just told her you were a millionaire. You could have saved yourself all that money and all the time to try and look young because you would have gotten her. Now, now Han super look, looks just like you, but has your money as well and got her. So he's only out like 
$100,000 each one of those surgeries. But if you remember, it started as a million, two, and three. So he's, he's still sitting pretty good. And in 1990, a million dollars, I mean, come on. That's, that was the other thing I thought was funny with both of these episodes is not the fact that they both kind of connect as well with the gold digging storyline, but a million dollars. The million dollars thing just made me chuckle because I'm like, man, you had it good back in 1990, which is now, you know, as I'm looking at the calendar trying to do math, you know, like 30 years ago, a million dollars was the big thing. Wow. Talk about inflation, right? Uh, but either way, episode then, you know, kind of comes to an end and uh, we find out, you know, we go back to the Crypt Keeper and stuff like that. And that's the other thing I didn't, I, I forgot to actually do the opening set up, uh, but that's okay because we can kind of do the opening and the closing of the episode. I, we, we, I kind of dove right into this one because I was really excited to talk about Arnold's directing in this one. And I, I did like the second episode a lot because of the double switch because you're unsure of where it's really going because you're not because they they do a very good job at not presenting Kelly Preston as the gold digger until the end. You know, episode one, you knew Demi Moore was a gold digger from the very, very opening moments in this one. It's revealed at the end. So first act in the first episode, third act in the final episode in the second episode, I should say. Uh, that's good. I like that. I liked that because if you went back to back with Golding and digging episodes as like, we know they're the gold digger both times, that could have been boring on the opening night. But back to back gold digging episodes on the opening night, I also think that's a little interesting to do. Uh, but again, it, it is Tales from the Crypt. There are very, as we dive further into this, there are themes that will constantly just continue and gold digging and greed. I shouldn't even say gold digging. I should just say greed is going to be a top of the list most of the time because we've seen it in other episodes before. Uh, back in season one, I talked about the, I talked about that. Uh, can't remember it off the top of my head, uh, but the episode where, where the guy married the woman in order for greed, uh, but didn't realize that she actually had married him for other reasons to murder him. Uh, so greed's a common theme. So it's not, it's not that crazy. They went back to back with it, but you know, considering they had three episodes in that night and episode three, uh, I'll say this definitely going to be different from what the first two were. Uh, you, I'm, I'm shocked you didn't put that one in the middle of these two that you went that, you know, I, I, I think you get what I'm saying there. I just find it a weird kind of, you could have sandwiched something different between, you know, they could, they, they're both the pieces of bread. You could have thrown a piece of salami in the middle. Uh, but either way, this is a good episode. I do like this episode again as well. I think Arnold actually does a good job, but I kind of already hit that in the sense of it doesn't require any type of heavy action or anything like that, which is weird because you'd think that if a guy that a guy like him coming in to direct an episode, it should probably be all action. Uh, but not much action going on in this episode. It's more so just it, it's <laughs> crazy to say this. It's kind of. Uh, similar to like what you would see with like a student film or something like that. Uh, that's the type of way it feels shot of a very basic, but it needs to be basic shot. Uh, and then has some cool moments. So there are some cool shots. Arnold does understand the idea of playing with the camera in creating a little bit of a, a different look and the way that horror films and horror shows and horror elements are done. So he, again, I really recommend checking it out just in the sense of being like, Oh, Arnold did direct this and he wasn't that bad, but eh, again, it's first time directing, uh, but getting into the opening segment, and this is why we'll do the opening and the closing segments together. Uh, the opening segment, 
very different from the normal uh, Crypt Keeper uh, opens. This is this is where they switch it up a little bit and they kind of play around with it uh, because the Crypt Keeper is seen lifting a weight, which is just a stick with two skulls at the end. I love it. Uh, and then Arnold himself actually shows up encouraging the Crypt Keeper to keep lifting weights. He doesn't want to stay in that 90-pound body forever. Uh, and instead of the Crypt Keeper introducing the story, as always, Arnold takes a turn. He opens the book. He starts the story. So it's kind of cool to see that, which, uh, and again, Arnold directed the episode, so this is his cameo in it. But I'm not even mad that Arnold's the one that does it. Uh, you know, we know it's the Crypt Keeper's lair. We know it's that. But I know there's some moments coming up later on. And if you're a fan of Bill and Ted, that'll blow your freaking mind at some point. Uh, I think that is season four when we get there. There's a moment that's going to blow your freaking mind because I might be able to connect uh, Tales from the Crypt into the Bill and Ted world. Uh, but this is the beginning of that kind of fun. This show's self-awareness, this show starting to gain popularity within pop culture and within the Hollywood scene of people want to be a part of it in ways. And I, I like it. I, I do like it. I, I could see I could understand, though, where people might be like, oh, but it's the Crypt Keepers show. Why would Arnold? And and if you were going to have somebody do it, it's like breaking the streak. Why would it be Arnold that broke the streak? And it's like, well, it's only like the eighth episode, guys. But it is a switch up. It's the first time it switches up a little bit. So it's kind of cool. But Arnold starts the story. Uh, but then in the closing segment, kind of wrapping it around, Arnold isn't there for the closing element. But we do see the Crypt Keeper. He's back. He's quipping. He's dropping a nice, but you know, couple nice one-liners here and there about the story and how... Uh, basically just him staying in that 90 pound body ended up being better and yada 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 the old guy ain't eh, that old guy ain't here anymore 90 pound body's better stuff like that kind of circling it back around to the opening segment but then we leave with a nice drop of the crypt caper saying we want to pump you up right before we leave the episode and we exit the crypt and i was like oh okay that's that's a fun that's a fun opening and closing uh, so that's the open, that's the close of this episode, but a uh, little trivia, I mentioned it earlier, Arnold directed it, uh, and, and again, not that bad, uh, but while I also mentioned earlier, Rick Rossovich was in The Terminator, that obviously is a connection with Arnold since they shared the screen together, but also Kelly Preston and Arnold had already shared the screen together at, by this point in time as his love interest in Twins, so kind of cool to see a, a reunion of sorts all around where Arnold is with a former Terminator uh, co-star and a former Twins co-star, and he's actually directing them in this episode. So it, it's kind of a fun thing. So if you ever wanted to throw something out there like that, be like, hey, you ever want to know like seven degrees of of Crypt Keeper to Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, Twins and Terminator are ways you can get there. Uh, also, this marks the first time that the original story was actually published in the Tales from the Crypt comic book. From this point in time, uh, all previous stories originated in other EC comic titles because, remember, EC released it, but there were multiple different versions of stories. There were different things, and Tales from the Crypt was one of those stories hosted by the Crypt Keeper, but there were other ones. So this is the first one that they adapted actually from Tales from the Crypt. It was issue number 45. That's the actual source material uh, and uh, that's that's kind of all I got this week for Crypt of Horror. So hopefully you guys 
uh, have gone back, revisited these episodes. Hopefully you guys have learned something along the way as well. But very excited to talk more about season two uh, and really dive into some fun theories and stuff like that and love doing this episode and again thank you guys so much for being a part of our patreon for being a part of this show and making uh it possible and giving us the opportunity to bring you all more content we love doing it and the more that you guys help keep it possible we will definitely keep pumping it out there for you all so please go back listen to uh slay girl slay listen to previous episodes of crypt of horror check out um our, our our commentaries are uh, uh, upgrade to other tiers of our Patreon as well because if you uh, join the uh, the top tier, you could ask questions to us and kind of be a producer of the show and constantly uh, and and bring what you want to the show and 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 kind of. I was a producer for years. It's fun being a producer. So if you if you ever wanted to do that, please join us up there and and shoot us stuff for the uh, normal show as well. But. Uh, I guess next week or next week, I should say, uh, next time we get back together in this crypt, we will talk about the other episode that premiered on April 21st uh, as HBO did that three in a row scenario again for season two where they gave three episodes, baby. Uh, and then we'll also dive into episode four, which debuted like three days after season two. So uh, again, we'll, we'll we'll start diving into uh, those two episodes in about a month from now right here on our Patreon. So until next time, <laughs> take care, kitties. <laughs>